Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. All right, everybody, welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable. Myself, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, Bob, guys, is sick today, so our condolences to uh, Bob. Yes, yeah, get feel better, better soon, Bob. Yeah, we're praying for you. Does, does we, you know, do we know what Bob has? Is he, is he like, has got, he got the Rona? Yeah, has he got the Rona? What's Uh-oh. going on? Uh oh, don't even kid, don't even kid. I'm not, I'm not. I, we know he doesn't. So for everybody listening, no, Bob is is uh, he'll be back. I'm sure Bob will be back next week, no doubt about yes. it. For our post election post mortem recap show. That's right. Okay, so speaking speaking of which, guys, this will be our last podcast before the. Let's let's face it, guys. Probably the most talked about, and I've got to believe probably the highest voter turnout when it's all said and done. This is really, I, I, I hate to coin it this way, but this will be an election of a lifetime, no doubt, and we yep. are basically about six days away now. Mm-hmm. And here in Erie County, which is where Buffalo, New York is located, 28,000 people turned out on the first day of early voting, which... Uh, was just an early voting number in one county, but it actually totaled more than the nine days prior to the last election. So, wow. you know, what they did in one, they did more in one day than what happened in nine days, which is evidence of a whole lot of enthusiasm about getting this election uh, done. You know, somehow or another, people are going to be out voting. Uh, I pray it's for the right candidate, but on the other hand, there's just an awful lot happening. Yeah, there is. And, you know, guys, I'm not going to uh, and I should have said I'm John Rush. I should have said that before we actually got rolling here today, guys. But uh, the reality is I I everybody keeps asking me, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win? And honestly, guys, I, I mean, I have a really good feeling about Trump as far as the, the behind the scenes that that what we would call maybe the invisible or the silent voter that, you know, nobody really understands about. In fact, I know the news media doesn't understand. I still feel really good about, uh, you know, about Donald Trump winning. But I will tell you what, there's a lot of folks out there that I don't think really understand politics. They really don't understand what's going on. There's Christians. We've talked about that in the last few weeks. There's Christians out there that I don't really think understand and get what's going on. And, uh, you know, we talked in, in depth really about that last week and why certain Christians don't want to vote for Donald Trump, which, by the way, guys, I interviewed a guy yesterday that I wanted to just add to last week. So if there is Christians that are listening that that really are on the fence about where to vote in this this particular individual, he's from the, the Florida Family Council. And he said something that I've never heard anybody say before. And I, I'm going to use it from this point forward. He said, personnel is policy. In other words, look at which president you're going to have. Look at the people that they're going to surround themselves with. Get rid of the candidate. In fact, take the candidate out of the picture. Look at who the folks you know, in the cabinet that are going to be in the background, that are going to be advising the president and so on. Look at who those individuals are. And that's essentially who you're voting for. So Mr. and Mrs. Christian that say you don't want to vote for Donald Trump, personnel is policy. Yeah, that's yeah. a great way of putting it, uh, John. And I think the the personnel is, poli- is policy, and policy over personality is something that people have to resonate with as well. I, I read a, I think it's National Review came out with their research on why people are voting for Joe Biden versus why they would vote for Donald Trump. Fifty five percent of the people they survey said the reason people are voting for Joe Biden is he's not Donald Trump. I mean, right. there, there, there's nothing about Wrong the Biden reason. candidacy. Yeah, there's nothing about the Biden candidacy that's getting anybody excited, other than the fact that it's like, well, I really can't stand this guy anymore. And at the same time, Michael Ferris from Alliance Defending Freedom put up a fascinating post yesterday on on uh, his social media page where he said, "Look, in 2016, 
I was, I, I was against Trump. I didn't vote for Trump, didn't vote for Hillary either. He said, but now in 2020, looking at the four-year track record, how can you not vote for Trump? And his, his, that was his whole appeal was, look, if you didn't want this guy in 2016, you have to want this guy now. And, and the personnel thing, that, John, that's huge. The people that he surrounds himself with. As we've all gotten to know some of those people who are part of the prayer team that all go right. into the White House on a regular basis, the Bible studies that are happening there. My goodness, when you look at his attorney general, when you look at his secretary of state, I mean, you, you look at the key, his vice president for crying out loud. I mean, these are right. great men of faith. And uh, to have that in the White House now, knowing that all of that goes away. I mean, forget about Joe versus Don for a second. All of that goes away if you make it to a decision to bring in the other candidate. It, it, that's a that's a great way of framing it. I'm glad that you shared that with us. So, Let me just so add go ahead, real Neil. quick. Go ahead. Just oh, add real quick. In. There was a, a Christian Post article that came out recently. I'm trying to find October 27th. So that was yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on the 28th. But uh, it was a, a respectful response to my friend John Piper about uh, apparently why Wayne Grudem, the author of this, Dr. Wayne Grudem, seminary professor, uh, is going to vote for Donald Trump because John Piper had written a piece about voting for neither candidate and had made, you know, a variety of um, biblical arguments in his mind about why it's okay for Christians to just not take a stand at all. And people are going to fall on various sides of this issue, I get it, but Wayne Grudem did a masterful job of doing a lot of what just uh, Roger was just talking about, but he ultimately... I think to me the most powerful thing he said in there, and I don't have it in front of me, I'm trying to scroll through here to find it, but essentially that, look, at in the end, all of us are flawed. There's never been a presidential candidate right. that is in well 100% right yep. standing before God. So we're always vote, voting for broken people. We ourselves are broken people. What are you going to get with the broken person? Because, for instance, if you, vote, if you vote against Donald Trump simply because he says brash things and he's annoying, you know, in his behaviors or something, whatever reason a person might come up with... Um, and so instead you vote for Joe Biden, well, you're still getting a flawed person, but at the end of the day, you're getting all of his cabinet appointments, everyone uh, you know that he brings along with him in his administration, and all of the policies that his party represents. So keep that in mind. You know, When you go to the polls, you're not just voting for a person, you're voting for the platform, ultimately. Uh, our own general manager, Brett Larson, did an amazing commentary on that recently, and it got a lot of feedback, positive feedback, because people were saying, okay, now I'm looking at this a little different. But yeah, you're right. There's an awful lot of people... That are just saying, I just, I, I don't, I can't stand Donald Trump, and so I'm going to vote against him. Well, then you better be okay with everything else that comes with Joe Biden. That's, right. that's pretty terrifying, to be honest. Yeah, we're that's not, right. we're not voting for Mr. Congeniality here for crying no. out loud. As John likes to say, we're electing the CEO of the nation right now. And right. so, quite frankly, I don't care. I mean, it's nice to hear, and we know people who know are in the know saying it's nice to know that he is listening to the Christians who have advisory, you know. It, his ear on this whole situation but for crying out loud i mean it, this is not a popularity contest in the sense that uh, i think he's a good man christians have to put to bed the notion that we're going to find that good godly loves his wife and kids or loves her husband and kids whatever it is i mean that we had we got a little dose of that and god gave us a taste of that with the amy coney barrett confirmation of the supreme court here here mm-hmm. hip hip hooray but if you if for no other reason the three reasons to vote for donald trump are neil gorsuch brett kavanaugh and amy coney thank barrett. you i mean thank you, you roger yeah you, yeah, can't, well you said. can't put it there's there's nothing else that matters at this point i mean right. in terms of if the left is going after the law if the left is going after i mean that's their god i mean the, the temporal society then by all means put people of faith conviction and who believe the constitution should be interpreted as written and donald trump has delivered that now a third of the supreme court has been influenced by donald trump think about that whether you like his personality or not look at the good he's done for our nation in that regard 
Amen. And, and and I think you know going back to what you just said, Roger, Neil, both get your get your opinion on this. There, you know, there was a lot of folks early on. In fact, the, the gentleman that I interviewed yesterday, uh, you know, he was a prime example. He said early on, you know, he was not in favor of. In fact, he was actually one of those never Trumpers. He was totally against Donald Trump. He did not want him to win. Uh, you know, he he basically you know was very very strong in that area. And he since has said, listen. Uh, and by the way, it was it was John uh, Stemberger. By the way, I want to make sure everybody understands who who I was talking about. President, General Counsel of Florida Family Policy Council, and he said he was wrong about Donald Trump in 2016. If you look to what Roger just said a moment ago, if you look to the things that he's actually done and what he's been able to do for the Christian, you know, Bible believing community, and you look at what's happened there. And and by the way, everybody listening, those that are on the left that are listening to this podcast, because I know a lot of you do as well. We're not saying that we want everybody in the United States to be ruled, you know, ruled over by this, this, this Christendom, if you would. That's not what we're saying. We want people on the Supreme Court that are going to follow the Constitution, and for mm-hmm. those of you that are on the left, unfortunately, that means there are some Christian values and things that were built into the Constitution, because that's what, that's what the founders did. They built the Constitution around our God-given Christian, Judeo-Christian rights, guys. That's how that was founded in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's important to note, too, that when people talk about the Constitution, the amendments are as important as the actual written documents, right. too. Because let's face it, when we, from 1776 to 1787, we went from all men are created equal to it's okay to own slaves. But by the time the 13th Amendment rolled around in 1865, we realized, okay, hey, we screwed that one up royally, right. so we amended it. We fixed it. That's the right. beautiful thing about the Constitution. You don't change the Constitution. You can make amendments to the way it's originally structured, and that's a huge distinction to make. I think a lot of people on the progressive sure. side seem to think, oh, well, if the Constitution doesn't look like the way we want it, let's get Anthony Kennedy and Ruth Bader Ginsburg in here, and they can just reinterpret it to mean right. whatever they want to. You know, I mean, th- that's why we have abortion. Sure. That's why we have the legalization of, quote, unquote, same-sex marriage. And to just have constitutionalists just say, no, here's the original intent, as John Dooley noted. These are the principles. These are the amendments. When we focus on that, then the United States is a pretty well-oiled machine, and keeping the current administration in place is really the only way to keep that uh, that, that flowing and moving. So, all right, hey guys, I know we got to take a break. Uh, let's do that right now. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth for Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthfullife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truth for Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We're back, National Crawford Roundtable. Myself, John Rush. We've got Roger Marsh out of California, Neil Boron out of the... Uh, Neil, what do we want to call where you're from? It's Buffalo, New York, but do we want to like coin that area now or what, what are we doing there? I don't know. I think we're the bookend, right? It's the People's Republic of New York. Roger's got yeah, the West Coast. we got the East Coast. Right. I think all four of us come from People's Republics these days. We really do. Know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all go to Michigan, too. Man. Yeah. yeah. You know, the sad part, guys, is that's really what's happened to it. Not that we want to segue into this, but just really quickly. That's really what's happened in the majority of big cities across the country. And something that I would like to talk about maybe in the future on a future podcast is the fact that with a lot of these people that are now because of of rioting and things that are happening, and we'll, we'll talk about that next week and see what happens after the election, because I predict there is going to be some of that on, on either side, no matter who okay. wins. And, and the reality is there's people that are leaving the inner cities 
big cities that are now going out into the rural areas. And so the question I've got for you guys, is the rural area now going to change moving forward? Because let's face it, most big cities are pretty hard left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, they well, are. And I was just going to say, I saw a political map of New York State looking at individual counties not long ago. And it's by and large a red state. The problem is that New York City, Albany, Syracuse, Rochester, and Buffalo are all in New York State, and they carry the state. But, you know, there's been an awful lot of liberal and progressive spread uh, in Mm -hmm. terms of, I'm talking about the ideological kind of thinking of where the world's headed. And you think about, you know, the breakdown of the family unit and uh, questions about gender identity and so much stuff that has now become like mainstream thought in American life. I wouldn't be surprised if it begins to trickle into other areas. However, I also know people that are preparing to move from New York State, as an example, to other more, uh, to true red states and, uh, and you know, try to hunker down in that situation. But moving doesn't fix the problem. I, I think we need to be very concerned about where we're going as a nation ultimately and what people really believe. And that... Honestly, I'll come back to it. I believe it's a spiritual issue. That's where the church yes. not yes. only has to be involved in politics, but pray for, for God to intervene because apart from him, we're in big trouble. Yeah, yeah Neil, no, Well said, Neil. Well said. Yeah, Neil, your point about New York is, is very, it mirrors what's happening in California, too. People think of California as being so hard left, so blue. I mean, not, not even purple like Washington State. And yet, mm. if you look at the makeup, you've got 58 counties in California, and it's almost an even split as to conservative versus liberal. But the counties that are liberal are San Francisco, Los Angeles. I mean, you see that that's where all mm-hmm. the big votes are. I mean, Hillary Clinton won, what, 60 counties? out of 3,000 nationwide, I mean, in terms of the the popular vote, she won all the big ticket items. I mean, she got all the the e-ticket rides. And and, and Donald (laughs) Trump, and and as Bob noted, I think a week or so ago here on the podcast, uh, what was the, it's like 80,000 votes in swing states tipped the Electoral College to where Donald Trump won in a landslide in the Electoral College. So managing that and understanding that and and how you strategize you know to win an election like that um, that's one place where i think if if i have a criticism of the trump administration this month it's been the fact that i don't think they focused on they've been majoring in minors and minoring in majors when it comes to what's going to sway people obviously mm-hmm. hunter biden's email is a big story it's massive it's huge the tucker carlson thing last night notwithstanding but is that going to move that independent voter from but from I don't know to Donald Trump. Well, I I don't know if it and, will. And real quick, that's a great that's a great topic and a great question, Roger. So I guess the question would be: Are they not focusing enough on those areas they should be, or do they feel like and have they done enough behind the scenes, you know, investigation to know that you know for the most part everybody that voted for Donald Trump in 2016 is still there. In fact, they may have even picked up some that were maybe vacillating back in 2016. Therefore, they're going to concentrate on more of the bigger cities, which they didn't do in 2016. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that, and, that, and if, if their people behind the scenes know what's going on, let's face it, the most valuable player in the Donald Trump campaign in 2016 was Kellyanne Conway, hands right. down. She took over as his campaign manager at the end of September and was able to take like a 10-point deficit and flip it on its ear. I don't know who's running things right now. She's not in his team, and, and quite frankly, based on the, his performance in the first debate, I don't know who was coaching him. I, I it don't looks either. like they got, they got a whole new team for the second debate because mm-hmm. that – that Donald Trump is presidential. That Donald Trump will win the election. The question is, is it too little too late, or, you know, and, or do they have enough gas in the tank to take it across the finish line? And you okay, know, it's a things, small thing, but let me just deal. mention, real, it's, it's a very small thing, but maybe not. Like, I don't know who was coaching him. Even in the second debate, 
because he still wasn't looking at the camera. The point is, he never looked at the American people and spoke directly to them. I feel like he was way more presidential. He, he had much more control over his attitudes and his behaviors and everything else. And I thought he communicated uh, much better than in the first debate. And yet, Joe Biden had the sense to look at the camera and talk to the American people. And for whatever it's worth, that conveys something. It's like, oh, look, mm-hmm. he sees us. He cares about us. I don't right. know. But somebody right. should have told him to do that. No, you're right. Somebody should have. So let's move that into then the social media aspect. Let's face it. There's a lot of folks out there that that really rely wholly, and, and I, I know this is a sad thing to say, but they rely wholly on social media, what other people are saying, what even the ads are that are coming at them through social media. And let's face it, social, social media is also censoring a lot of things, and but yet that's where a lot of folks out there, even, yeah, I hate to say this, guys, but even Christians are picking up their news and getting a lot of the things that they rely on daily out of social media, and yet they're being manipulated, and I don't think they know they are. Yeah, that, it's scary. I, I wish that weren't the case, John. But I mean, I, I, when you said even Christians, I, I wanted to say you misspelled especially, uh, because that's let's, it's <laughs> yeah. it's too it's too easy. I mean, let's yep. face it: if you're on yep. Instagram, if you're on Facebook, it's too easy to look at a picture, get a little bit of a meme, and say, "Yeah, that's my theology. Yeah, that's my political strategy." Instead of saying, "Wait a minute, guys, you and I." The reason we spend hours every day on the radio and do this podcast every week is to say, "You got to dig deeper." I mean, mm-hmm. have that conversation, walk it through. Yesterday on the Bottom Line show, we uh, we walked through a, a video clip that I found from the Wall Street Journal, a guy by the name of uh, Josh James. Anderson, African-American reporter, went to rural Georgia, sat down with eight African-American voters, some Republican, some Democrat, some Independent, and they just had a conversation about what's important to them. And I put it out there and said, look, these are the kinds of conversations that we need to be having, and we have to model because your mainstream mm-hmm. media isn't going to do this. No, I mean, right. the, the, it's not going to fit on MSNBC or uh, CNN or Fox News because they've got time schedules. You know, we've got several hours a day. They've got, okay, you've got a 45-second hit. You've got a 90-second hit. What could you possibly get in a 45-second hit that's of any substance other than just sensationalism? So th- these types of dialogues are critical. I, I, was, uh, I was involved in radio news for a while. Um, I was part of the uh, national radio news service called Family News and Focus. Uh, Roger, for sure you might remember that. I don't know Finish, about you, John. But, yes. Yeah, but uh, you know, I remember sitting in the National Press Club one day listening to a woman just pour out her heart about her 13-year-old, uh, I'm sorry, her daughter who was raped and violated in every manner possible by a 13-year-old who read pornography and she became an advocate you know for stamping out pornography and its availability especially through the internet and that kind of thing and this was the early days of the internet uh in the early 1990s uh anyway by the end i had about an hour worth of tape of her pouring her heart out at the press conference i interviewed her afterwards had another 45 minutes now i had an hour and 45 minutes worth of tape and i had to go back to my office and write a 60 second story with three 10 second sound bites maximum mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so like uh, I, I was i was in a dilemma like how in the world do i tell this story it's so vast i mean she went from being a, a victim to you know dealing with the process to becoming an advocate to talking about the problem in general and i didn't know where to go all i'm saying is that when when everything has been reduced to like a four second meme that pops up on your instagram feed or something like that we're in big trouble the, they, they uh, sure it communicates some impression but it doesn't give the bigger picture it doesn't show the whole truth and it certainly doesn't tell people that there's more to every story that they really ought to be looking at and you're never going to get the full story from the mainstream media as we're seeing with this whole tony bobolinsky thing that you, you, right. re- you referred to tucker carlson oh, so so neil i'm going to jump in real quick so then for the the folks that are listening those those even as, as roger said especially christians that are getting all of their news off of social media. Let's take a few minutes here, guys, and train people on how you properly investigate 
a particular story or meme or something that they may have seen on Facebook. Because frankly, guys, I have been through the same thing. I have gotten that that email of somebody that, you know, you just read this email and you think, well, that sounds really good, but is that really true? So you go do a little bit of investigative work. I mean, literally five minutes later, you're like, that entire email is mm-hmm. false. And, and whoever sent that and or the group chain of, that, of, of individuals, which in a lot of cases are Christians that are sending that, are false. And they're really just spreading at that point false rumors, which really, if you want to get down to it, Guys, I'm not trying to be critical of individuals, but if you want to get down to Scripture and you yeah. talk about Donald Trump <laughs> versus you sending a chain letter that is all incorrect on its actual topics, you, you know what? You can sit there and poke Donald Trump in the eye for the way he is, but you're no different when you're doing that stuff. Yeah. Again, let me just add to my dear mom, God rest her soul. <laughs> she you know, was a sucker for that kind of stuff. And one time somebody sent her something about President Obama when he was serving and she was still doing emails back then, and she just went ahead and forwarded it. And I pointed it out. I said, Mom, I know you're not a fan of President Obama, but what you're talking about right now is false. And her her response to me, and I'm not saying this to throw my mom under the bus. I love her dearly. But she said, yeah, but I don't really like him. I don't like his policies. So what's the difference? And I said, Mom, what's mm. the, it's the difference between truth and lies. Like, we're right. believers. we yeah. got to stand for what's true. So Correct. sometimes you got to really dig to find out what's true. But in the end, ultimately, we'll stand before the throne of God for the stuff we're communicating. And I think we're all responsible in that way. All right, so we we got to take another break. Let's do that. We'll come back. Neil, I want you to explain to people when we come back how you do just a little bit of research to know whether those things are true or false. Again, folks, you're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gregg. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener-supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And we're back. National Crawford Roundtable, myself, John Rush, out of the Denver, Colorado area, Roger Marsh out of Southern California, Neil Boron out of Buffalo, New York. So guys, let's let's inform those individuals. And, and I realize it's not just Christians, but let's face it, I, I because we affect that community probably more than anyone else, that's really the majority of probably who's listening to this particular podcast. Neil, Roger, how do you decipher when something hits your inbox or it hits your, your wall on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is, how do you determine if that's real or not? A friend of mine said the other day uh, that he was. He also went to school for journalism, and uh, he said in, in one of his early classes, they said, hey, look, at, uh, when you go to write a story, uh, if it happens to be about your mom and she tells you that she loves you, make sure you get a second source, you know, like, <laughs> just, just to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the bottom line is, like, it, it, there's a biblical principle here, too. It, it has to do with the whole thing about gossip. I and mean, if somebody comes and says something to you, I think that all of us as believers should say, you know, uh, I, I don't appreciate you bringing this up without the other person being here. Can we go and have you say this in front of them? Because I want to make sure what you're saying is true. Um, going to the original source matters. And if it's possible, when you see some kind of a news story about a particular individual or organization, check what the individual or organization are saying about it, not just what a news service is telling you about it. That for sure matters. Um, and obviously digging, making sure that you know where the news is coming from, because if anybody, and we've been, we've talked a little bit about media bias here. In fact, I talked about it on my show the other day. But if anybody thinks that you're getting um, straight up unbiased news from any news source, you're kidding mm-hmm. yourself. Good I point. think you right. know. I'm happy to say here that I consider us 
in a sense, advocacy media. We're here to tell the other part of the story. You know, like we're, we're uh, what was that guy? The rest of the story? What was his name? The famous Paul Harvey. Radio? No, Paul Harvey, Paul, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, was, he became famous for telling more of the story than people originally heard in the first place. But there's always more to the story. And, and so to just receive what, you know, the Democratic Party is telling you in a press conference or even the Republican Party, you know, what's the, what's the bigger picture? I just think that we have to be very careful about that because we're not just communicators. We're not just talk show hosts. We're believers, and we represent the kingdom of God. Yeah, following up, Neil, and what you said, uh, I, I also like to add to Paul Harvey a little bit of Mike Rowe, too. And he's got that podcast. Well, that's the way I heard it. And right. that theme, we have to understand, too, that when you get hit with some kind of news, like, for example, we're in the final week of the election here, so you know that the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, they don't want Donald Trump to win. So every single article that they post about Donald Trump is going to be, well, Trump blew this, or the economy's falling mm-hmm. apart, or the COVID mm-hmm. cases are spiking, all that That's other right. stuff. We have to then take a step back and say, okay, that appeals to me emotionally. I, I don't like that hear, to hear that because it makes me uncomfortable or angry, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But what is the ultimate goal? And to Neil's point, I would hope that people would tune into our programs and Bob's program and, and say, you know, okay, these guys are Christians. So first and foremost, they want it to be true. They want it to be right. They want it to be helpful. They want it to be factual. So we're going to do our due diligence. To your point, Neil, about, you know, get a second source for your mom. I, I routinely, if because people send me stuff all the time. They do too uh, yep. with you guys. No, no yep. question about it. I get the Facebook message have you seen this video you know it's like well no i i haven't and and it probably isn't going to change anything but i i try to you know if god's a trinity and he loves trinitarian things so i try to find three different sources you know first and foremost i think anybody can do that if you like fox news all the time then make sure you're also looking at cnn and drudge report or whatever it is to see if they're covering the same stories the same way right. because there's a i learn a lot from reading quote unquote the other side of the argument and and if nothing more even if it's not true to understand the bias that people are bringing to the conversation because you know, uh, well with, without even, you know, without even skipping a beat, I noticed that some of my friends who are in the quote-unquote progressive side of clergy, Amy Coney Barrett gets approved to the Supreme Court and the very next day they're saying, if you're afraid of having your rights taken away as a gay couple, come see us, we'll marry you right away, whatever it is. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, where did that come from? And I right. realized, mm-hmm. oh wait, Great it's Proverbs 28.1. You know, the, the guilty run though no one accuses. They just automatically, their crowd is telling them, she's going to take away your rights. Well, you, the three of us know that's not true. She's going to interpret the Constitution originally, but nonetheless, you can see where the spin goes. And so if you can try to, uh, it's kind of like watching polling, you know, where you throw the ball in the alley and, and you put a little hook on it, you know, eventually it's going to, it's going to crash into the pins. It's going to hook and hook and hit a strike that there's spin on everything. You just have to figure out which way the ball is going to go. Yep, very well said guys. And, and I know we're getting going to wrap up this first half hour of the round table we come back folks we've got several other things i want to talk about guys uh ballot issues there's a lot of mail-in voting going on we talked about that a little bit earlier i also want to talk about because this is a big deal for us here in colorado i know it is for you too roger i don't know about neil but that's the covid panic that now is setting in across the country country mm-hmm. some of the number manipulation that's going on there but the reality is folks we're going to come back we got another full half hour and we encourage you to listen each and every week and forward our podcast on to your friends and family folks that you might think would benefit from some of the things that we talk about on a weekly basis and of course always give us a five-star review but we'll be right back here on the national crawford roundtable this has been a crawford broadcasting production 
All right, folks, we're back. Second half of the National Crawford Roundtable. Myself, John Rush, out of Denver, Colorado. Roger Marsh, out of Southern California. Neil Boron, out of Buffalo, New York. And guys, as I just said there, as we ended that first half hour, let's talk a little bit. And, and by the way, thank you both for giving some information to our listeners out there on how you can fact check some of the things that are coming into their inbox. Because here's one other one real quick I just want to give to you guys. I've already received, because of all the fires we've had going on here in Colorado, and yes, it's affected a lot of individuals, myself included, but I got an email the other day that said, hey, John, did you know that it's the jihadis that are out setting all of these fires to disrupt the economy in in the country and this, that, and and you know, here's the deal, guys. We don't know at this point who set these fires. I don't know if it's an Islamic jihadist movement or not. I mean, would it surprise me? No. But do we have any proof that that's the case? No. But those are some of the rumors that are running around the rumor rumor mill even as we speak today. Right. So to fact check some of the stuff, guys, as Christians, we really need to. Let me jump in for just a second because uh, I was talking with somebody just this week who said, uh, you know, I think it's irresponsible for Christians to try to report news or report on a story if they don't know it's true. Uh, they were implying a sense that for Christian media to deal with some story that we don't actually know the answer to, such as the Tony Bobolinsky thing, you know, has Joe Biden been getting payments from China and Russia and Ukraine and so forth? Uh, like, if we even mention that, that somehow we're participating in gossip. And I said, well, hang on just a second. Uh, first of all, you can gossip can be true. Like, if I, if I am told that somebody's pregnant out of wedlock and I'm told not to share the story, and then I go to somebody else in my church or neighborhood and say, hey, do you hear the story that so-and-so is pregnant? Well, it, it might be 100% true, but it also represents gossip. But my, the point I'm getting at here is that uh, we're, we're uh, that's the word I'm looking for, not gatekeepers. But I mean, we're, we need to be a beacon of truth as well. And that if the truth is, if there is another side to a story, we need to be the ones who have yes. uh, the, the gall to point it out and to stand up and say, look it. It's alleged that there's you know jihadists running around the Midwest starting forest fires. We don't know if it's true, but you need to know that that is is uh, you know part of a news story that's going around the, the, the country like wildfire. We're going to try to get to the bottom of it, but just be aware that this exists and actually, in a sense, warn people that there are rumors out there that may not be true in the process. Eventually, we'll get to the bottom of it. But, yeah, we absolutely need to be involved in, in discussions like this, but I think we also have to be careful to say, hey, you know, so-and-so has, has been alleged to have committed a crime. Uh, courts haven't decided if he's guilty yet. Uh, but but these are the right. allegations, right? Yeah. No, well said, Neil. Very very well said on on all counts. And uh, no, so so okay. So by the way, that leads into the next topic. It actually does, Neil. When we talk about ballot issues, because we're hearing on both sides of the fence, we're hearing the left say nothing wrong with mail in ballots. There is no harvesting going on. There's nothing you know. There, there's nothing out of the norm when it comes to you know mail in voting and this that and the other. And there's not going to be any issues whatsoever. Well. We know that's not true. On the same token, we also know that there are some cases where mail-in voting does work. So somewhere in the middle of both sides of that to where it's Mm -hmm. all bad or it's all good, there lies the truth. And I can tell you in Colorado that I personally have been involved in some situations here where, uh, in fact, there is some things, even in Colorado, where we've been doing mail-in voting since 2013, there's some issues and some problems even with our own mail-in voting in Colorado, and we've been doing it for that long. So, guys, you can't tell me that somebody that's just starting this process is going to have it all down pat and there's not going to be any problems. 
Yeah, it's interesting here in the People's Republic of California where we're discovering the number of people who vote absentee, yours, uh, yours truly included. And so they've been using the mail. I mean, I think we had 18 million registered voters as of 2016, and 12 million were mail-in people. Now we're, we're up to 21 million because of a motor voter law. That's a whole separate conversation. But it's interesting how... We are one of the states now that has legalized ballot harvesting here in California where anybody can bring your ballot into the polls. And it was interesting because there are some drop boxes off at like county offices and city offices and things like that. A group of Republican operatives, as they were referred to in the media, started setting up their own ballot harvesting. Jack Hibbs of uh, Real Radio, uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, they started collecting ballots at their churches. And all of a sudden, cease and desist letters started going out from the state attorney general and the secretary of state saying, That's Ill- those are unauthorized, you can't set those up. Well, a couple of state representatives actually confronted them on this issue and said, no, if you read the actual text of the ballot harvesting bill that your party wrote because of a Democrat supermajority here in California, all of these things are proper. And so the Secretary of State and the Attorney General had to walk back their cease and desist letters. And and that to me said, okay, if you were concerned about any sort of uh, tampering with with the election here with regard to mail-in, with regard to ballot harvesting, things like that, the Democrats completely exposed that they... played their hand. Yep. I mean, they let everyone yep. know this is what they're doing because the idea that they could use that kind of intimidation to try to keep one party from ba- a, a, a church, you know, saying, hey, come here, you can trust your pastor, we're all going to give the ballots to him, and he's going to drive them in to make sure they get properly counted. Right. Um, it, it's it's ridiculous now. So yes, this is one of those cases where in the media, rather than just going with the headline and, and say, we know this is true. We've seen this happen. They've had to walk it back. Now there are lots of ballot collection points all over the place, and it still remains to be seen whether or not these ballots will actually be counted. But uh, at least we know the bias now is, I mean, the fix is in, and everybody knows that you should be concerned about whether or not mail-in is going to be corrupted, whether or not the harvesting is going to be corrupted. And, and John, you mentioned Colorado, California. I'm sure, Neil, you guys are having the same problems in New York in certain yeah, areas. Yeah, what is going on there, Neil, with, when it comes to your, are you allowed to do mail-in? How is that working for you guys? Yeah, there's some of that going on. There's some mail-in balloting, absentee balloting, obviously it's been around for a long time, and there's early voting that's happening. But, you know, to just spin it in another direction for a second, does anybody actually, okay, how many times have you opened a credit card and the company said, we guarantee, you know, this is a secure site, your your information will never be compromised. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, later you find out that not only was it compromised, but it happened two years earlier and you've never been told about it, you know? So, I mean, we see this kind of thing happen all the time. Does anybody really believe that if somebody's going to go into a neighborhood and, you know, hey, you know, I'll go pick up the ballots and I'll deliver them. Don't worry about it. You know, you're good. I'm trustworthy. That these kind of people couldn't be bought off or have you know, ill intention in the first place. Like, come on, wake up. Uh, I, I, the, the idea that some people say that there's no possibility for corruption, you know, with ballot harvesting when people are in neighborhoods picking up ballots, I think is ludicrous. And why anybody would believe it is unbelievable to me. Yeah, I, well said, Neil. In fact, let's face it, guys, I talked about this on the program the other day. We have known that for years and years and years when it comes to non-mail-in voting you know, some of the, uh, how do you want to call it, the uh, the dishonesty and in, in, in let's just call it election fraud. That's what it is. Some of that that's happened throughout the years. I mean, there were some elections in Texas and so on that were that were thrown and gone a different direction, clear back into the 60s when it comes to this. So you're telling me that we went from that to now everybody's pure, holy, and there's no <laughs> election fraud today because we're doing mail in, in, in voting, and, and that means that we're all good to go, and yet we were doing it back in the 60s with, with people that were going into the 
ballot box. I mean, none of that makes any sense to me. You know, it's interesting. I, when you were talking about going back to the 60s, I immediately hearkened back to John Campbell, the former president of uh, Ambassador Advertising, who has, uh, we've benefited from the work of Ambassador with the programs they distribute to our stations. And, and John used to have a saying, he, Friday was Donut Day, and he used to bring dough, donuts, and he would send an email out to the little staff saying, dough early and dough often. And, uh, you know, some people got it and some people didn't. That was a take on Richard Daly, the mayor of Chicago, who used to say vote early and vote often whenever there was an election out there. So, I mean, the idea that there isn't corruption in, in elections and the idea that, like in California here, for the first time in 40 years, Republicans can actually have uh, poll monitors in addition to the Democrats right now. And so the Democrats are saying, well, they're going to have corruption. They're going to they're going to voter intimidation. It's going to be horrible. But what they're really saying is, hey, for 40 years, we were allowed to do that. And the other side wasn't. So now now that both sides mm -hmm. get to do it, there's voter intimidation. I mean, we just we yeah. have to stop being so naive as a people, and especially as the church, to think, okay, we, we want to vote, we should vote. I believe it's a, a Christian's uh, sworn duty as a citizen and as a member of the body of Christ to actually participate in the vote. But we can't think that, you know, oh, well, the mail, that's going to be fine. You know, oh, the ballot drop-off, that's going to be fine. We really have to take responsibility to make sure that our vote counts and that it actually is counted. Right. You know, I don't know. I was scrolling through some of this while you guys were talking, so I might have missed some of what you said. But I, I found a, a site that I think is worth going to. Obviously, we know about the Heritage Foundation. It's a great group. You can go to mm -hmm. heritage.org forward slash voter fraud. Or this is also at whitehouse.gov. And if you scroll along you know, scroll around or tool around fast enough, you'll find it eventually. But uh, they did a, a study, a report, not by any means comprehensive, just dug in. It's a 381-page report. talks about 1,071 proven instances of voter fraud, 938 criminal convictions, 43 civil penalties, 74 diversion programs, eight judicial findings, and eight official findings, which in those cases might have even, you know, called for uh, revoting or, you know, canceling uh, the results of a particular election, but they go state by state. You can scroll through this. There's multiple ones uh, in a variety of different states that outline uh, who was convicted, what happened, you know, fraudulent use of absentee ballots uh, is one of the things that they talk about. Duplicate voting is another, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the whole thing about having dead people cast votes and that kind of stuff, um, false registrations, all of it outlined in details, a 381-page report, and it's not by any means comprehensive. So the idea that, you know, we can we should just assume that because somebody says, oh, yeah, there'll never be any corruption with regard to, you know, mail-in balloting or uh, ballot harvesting or anything like that is is absolutely insane. But yet, you know, Neil, to go back to the last debate with President Trump and Joe Biden, that particular topic came up. President Trump mentioned some of the things that you just mentioned, not in that much detail because he doesn't have that much time, but he really gets poo-pooed by not only Joe Biden, but the moderator themselves. I mean, the reality is the other side will tell everyone in the entire world that there's no such thing as voter fraud, and yet we all know that there is. And yet those are some of the things that they accuse Donald Trump of lying about when, in fact, he's not lying. Yeah, and, and these are hard core cases. You know, these are there's uh, these were actual... You know, they, they ended up in the court. There's actual documentation to indicate, and some people are in jail as a result. It's not hearsay, uh, in other words, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I'm rumbling, bumbling, stumbling here as I'm scrolling through this report, looking for some of the information no, I was you're find, fine. finding earlier. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, these are, here's one. Larry Battle was convicted of voting in a precinct in which he did not live for the 2003 East Chicago mayoral Democratic primary election. He had a history of crimes of dishonesty, prompting the judge, unpersuaded by Battle's everyone was doing it defense. He was sentenced to two years in prison. It happened in Indiana. The guy's name is Larry Battle. He was accused of false, reg- uh, the outcome was a criminal conviction for false registrations. Um, yeah, one of thousands that they highlight here. Yeah, I yeah, wonder and, how many. I wonder how right. many Congress people. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I, I wonder how many Congressmen and women uh, don't even live in their own districts. You know, and so they wind up and they go do the ceremonial. Look at me, I'm voting in my district, but it's an illegal vote because they're right. they're not there. Right. I right. Mean, if you sign a petition, you know, there's the guy outside in front of your big box store saying, "Hey, we're going to try to get this proposition on the ballot." One of the first questions a good canvasser will ask you are: Are you registered to vote? And second, are you registered to vote in this county or in this mm-hmm. city or whatever? Because they can't count the signature if say. If I if I'm in Irvine at the Target there and I don't live in Irvine, I can't fill out your 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 petition. And yet there are people who vote and cross districts and maybe they lived in L.A. County and then they moved to Orange County and they vote twice because they never canceled their L.A. County registration. That kind of stuff happens all yes, the does. time. Yes, you know, it I mean, does. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but but in fact it does. I think they um, was it Tom Fitton, the Judicial Watch, has yeah, gotten yes. L.A. County to purge about a million different uh, fraudulent voter registrations off of the L.A. County rolls just because, and a lot of the people passed away, they moved. I mean, I don't think a lot of it's sinister, but it does create the opportunity for people who are looking for that person who might have passed away, but they got a voter registration anyway. Someone will fill that out, and who's going to know? They're not, I mean, that, right. I, I, I'm, Neil, I'm, I'm surprised pleasantly that there have been as many convictions, but I'm not surprised that for every one of those people who's convicted, I'm going to guess, multiply it by a factor of 100, maybe, that there might be more corruption. Yeah, who knows, right, yeah. right. Yeah, unbelievable. No, and, and guys, it, it just, to me, a lot of this just goes into a narrative that just continues to get perpetrated from the left. And again, this goes back to some of what we talked about last week when it comes to Christians that will not vote for Donald Trump. And that, that side, to me, just continues to perpetrate their narrative, whether it's right, wrong, or otherwise. In fact, if it's a flat-out lie, they will continue to do so. Kamala Harris, yesterday, she put this on her Facebook page. Today, Republicans denied the will of the American people by confirming a Supreme Court justice through an illegitimate process, all in their effort to cut the Affordable Care Act and strip health care from millions <laughs> with pre-existing conditions. Guys, that is a flat-out and out lie that she put on her Facebook page, and yet we've got Christians that are going to vote for that team. I mean, let's go back to what we talked about in the first in the first half hour about the you know the platform or the package and who you're voting for just because you don't like Donald Trump you're going to vote for that where they're flat out lying to you well and and let's face it too there's also a movement to try to make it a hate crime to mispronounce her name you know i mean is it kamala is it kamala i mean anyway hey why don't we take a break and when we come back we can kind of move into the social media world because that's a, a huge part john of what you just said is a mouthful in terms of why is something like that on facebook and twitter and instagram and some of the president's claims about covid and and uh, infection rates and, and cures why doesn't that show up either too uh we'll take a break and come back with more of this conversation in just a moment on the national crawford roundtable podcast dr michael yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org listen 
And be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Welcome back to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast along with John Rush and Bob Duco. And we're wishing a, a, a speedy recovery to Bob Duco, who's a, a, a little under the weather today. I'm Roger Marsh, and we are talking about a variety of different topics all pertaining to the election. This is the, the, the podcast that we're doing right before the election. Next week, our podcast will be post-mortems as much as we know uh, as far as how the election results will go. I think we're all in agreement that regardless of who is declared the winner initially the other side's going to challenge it so i don't think we're going to have a clear-cut winner on november 3rd or november 4th quite frankly um there's going to be a lot of legal challenges and i'm glad we have nine members of the supreme court now to hear those challenges um, amen cir- circling back around though to what john uh, just shared the the quote from uh, Kamala Harris, I believe it's, it's Kam- no Kamala. I, I, anyway, it's a hate crime if you mispronounce it, so I don't want to get it wrong. But the the idea that she could say, you know, the the Republicans did was underhanded, it was illegal, it was against the will of the people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why the Democrat Party is so obsessed with the feelings of the people they have. Remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dying mm-hmm. wish, you know, that mm-hmm. type right. of stuff. That's not constitutional. That's that's no. someone making their dying wish. But social media is playing such a huge role now in determining what we can and can't see. And the fact that Facebook and Twitter have been just flat out censoring things and, and saying, okay, well, you can't speak ill against COVID-19 because, or any of the treatments or any of the masks mandates or whatever it is because well we just don't think that's right that that's false that's who did mark zuckerberg gets to determine what's true and what's false i mean guys what's your take on how social media and the censoring thereof could potentially impact the result of the election i think it's terrifying go ahead Neil. go ahead ahead. no no go ahead i got got something to say but go ahead you're fine yeah no i i don't i don't i won't belabor this i just think it's absolutely terrifying well from the perspective that we believe that you know, pl- things like Facebook and Twitter are free forums where everybody's allowed to share their views. They're not. I think, I think the vast majority of the American people, both sides of the political aisle, would agree that if something is, you know, appeals to the prurient interest or is completely obscene or something like that, that it perhaps ought to be looked at or, you know, there ought to be some filter. We have that for sure in broadcasting. There's certain things you can't say on the radio. But when it just comes to, like, content-based discrimination, where we're going to not allow your post to flourish, or we're going to take it down altogether, or we're going to block your Twitter feed simply because you're saying something we don't agree with or we don't want other people to know about, that's terrifying. Because ultimately that gets, you know, that, that falls in line with what happens in places like communist China and North Korea, not the United States of America. Well, and in the case of that post I just read you guys from, from Kamala, the person that sent me that said, just curious, where's the truth police on Facebook, this has been up for several days, and the reality is that's a complete inaccurate. In fact, it's a flat-out lie that she put out, and yet there's no one on Facebook that's actually, you know, fact-checking that because they're on her side. Yeah, yeah, they, definitely. That you can easily see the bias on the uh, the media side. The fact that the Zuckerberg world does not like the fact that Donald Trump came in to drain the swamp and is draining the swamp. That he's actually mm-hmm. been effective. They thought he would. Well, let's face it. I mean, I'm sure these same forces worked diligently to make sure he got the Republican nomination, just to make sure that Hillary Clinton would have a cakewalk yeah. in the election. It never occurred to the Zuckerbergs and the Twitters and and Instagrams of this world that a guy like Donald Trump could actually win. And yet, 63.5 million Americans went to the polls and said. I'm so sick of the system the way it is. I'm so sick of business as usual. Heck, right. I'll take I'll take Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton any day. And so now the idea that that the the Trump administration, you know, it was easy for him in 2016 because he could pretty much say whatever he wanted to, and no one 
really took him seriously. Now he's got to work through a, a landmine. I mean, this maze of media criticism and, and, and scrutiny. And it's just, it's mind-boggling to see how successful he has been, and I think we have been as a nation, in spite of the media censorship. But the idea that, that Facebook is a free forum, you know, that it's just kind of like this place where we could exchange ideas and recipes and, you know, reconnect with childhood friends and all that stuff. Uh, hopefully that's been blown out of the water for a lot of people, but God bless the ones who keep going back to it and they'll believe well, whatever they see there. Well, you can share recipes and stuff on Facebook. You know, I mean, it's, it's got that, uh, that the opportunities there for people to do that. But here's the, the real question. Are we really paying attention to the fact of how much information is being gathered on us by these media giants and how uh, yeah. the thinking of an entire generation, the, the entire world, is ultimately being shaped by what they choose to tell us? Because, I mean, like, if, if, if somebody came to your house overnight and hung, you know, pink shades on all your windows and you didn't happen to notice it, you're just like, wow, I think there's something wrong with my eyesight. The world looks different today. <laughs> it would be because you're looking through a filter. Well, everything we're getting from Twitter and Facebook is being filtered. There is a filter in place. And right. sometimes it's more blatant, sometimes it's discovered and known, other times it isn't. But all of these uh, algorithms and other things that are set up, they're set up in favor of whatever their company policies are and whatever it is they choose to communicate to people. And we're just seeing the end result. We're not necessarily seeing the truth. That's right. So, so guys, let's move that into a great topic, by the way, or a great subject, I should say, and that segues into the next topic, which is the COVID panic. We're seeing that now going not in every part of the United States, but in a lot of places we're hearing about numbers ticking up. And here in Colorado, we've got places now, you know, counties and cities that are, you know, backtracking and we're shutting more things down. We're going to have restaurants in the not too distant future at 25% capacity, which guys is just going to ruin some of the few restaurants that are left in certain areas. And the reality is, and I fully believe it's the wrong approach to how we're doing this thing when it comes to COVID. And yet you've got the entire social media world, if you would, that is that is really in a lot of ways to what Neil just said, they are really funneling a lot of that misinformation, the pumping up of things and really pumping up the scare, if you would, when it comes to COVID. And guys, I'm not saying COVID's not real. We, we, we know it's real. We know that there is a certain part of the population that can be very adversely affected by COVID. But on the same token, we know that somebody without a job can be adversely affected and somebody shut in their house can be adversely affected. And guys, I can go down the list of the other effects of right. shutting things down, which in a lot of cases are just as bad as the COVID. Yeah, a total collapse of the economy, for one thing. It, we're, we're looking at, I was watching one news report that seemed to indicate that three months of continued shutdowns is all it would take to completely collapse the U.S. economy. Then try to figure out what suffering is going to look like after that point. So That's you got right, Donald. Neil. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. You're a businessman. No, no, you you're understand right. that. I mean, no, you you no, understand you, that way better than we do, John. You're living this stuff. Well, and and the reality is, as a as a business owner myself, and as you look at these things, and, and Neil, you're right. And, and whoever's saying that, I don't I don't think. By the way, folks that are listening to us. What Neil just said, that's not a speculative number. In fact, I would say there's businesses out there, Neil, that can't even run three months. I mean, I think three months is a very gracious time frame mm -hmm. if we start shutting the entire country down. There's some businesses out there, guys, that couldn't make it three days or three weeks, nonetheless right. three months. The reality is I think you'd see a complete, utter collapse in about 30 days if we shut the entire country down, guys. It's not going to be a 90-day deal by any stretch of the imagination. We have got parts of the country, I know here in Colorado even, where certain businesses are really just holding on by a thread. And we've had numerous businesses already close up because of what's happened during this first round. We as a country, guys, and 
I don't want to sound callous when it comes to COVID and some of the deaths and the things that are happening with the actual virus itself. But the reality is we as a country cannot afford a second shutdown period. No, right. we can't. And we can't afford a shutdown that starts in the White House. I mean, people have to understand if Kamala Harris and Joe Biden win, and I, I put them in that order because mm-hmm. you and I, well, we all know. <laughs> well said. I mean, let's face yeah. it. Yes. The minute Joe Biden takes the oath of office, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi is going to sweep the leg with the 25th Amendment. And God only knows who her now running mate would be. I thought she might ceremonially pick Nancy just to, you know, give her a chance to, to you know, get that close to the brass ring. But it's going to happen if Biden-Harris win. So the idea that we would be you know, facing the shutdown, and they'll do it because of security, and quite frankly, for the number of progressives I've spoken with, they would be perfectly fine with that. And the yes. number of millennials who get a promise from the government, yes. government that you're going to get a check every month or every week, they would be fine with that too. So that's something, I mean, when you go consider going to the polls or yeah. mailing in your ballot, whatever it is, please know that that is on the ballot too. And a yeah. vote for Trump-Pence me- versus a vote for Biden-Harris... Uh, is going to prevent that from happening. Hey, Neil, we're going to take, take a break. Can, yeah, can we do that and, that. Then, and then come back? I was just looking at the clock. Yeah, let's take a break. We'll be back with more of the National Roundtable, Nation, what is it? National Crawford Roundtable <laughs> podcast. Thank you. <laughs> we'll awesome. be right back. Don't go away. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. This is the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. I got it right this time. My name is Neil Boron. I'm in Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh in Southern California. John Rush in Denver, Colorado. And Bob Duco is uh, out today. Say a prayer for him. He's not feeling real well, but he should be back uh, next week. Uh, I just wanted to add, this is a little off target, but it still deals with the same issue. During the, uh, the second presidential debate, I thought Donald Trump missed an opportunity when he could have asked Joe Biden to explain I don't know if you remember, but the previously Biden had said, if I was in charge of this thing, no one would have died. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a worldwide pandemic a and no one statement. would have died. Okay. But anyway, either way, uh, he's saying that he would handle it totally differently. You know, he'd be all over it. There'd be far less deaths and everything. Then I, I wish Donald Trump had said, well, then uh, I guess, you know, explain exactly how you do that. But then secondly, how the economy is going to flourish or we're going to avoid a complete collapse of the U.S. economy under that kind of a plan because of what you said, John. 30 days, maybe, is all. Some businesses, maybe three days or three weeks. But either way, we're in big trouble if we go into a complete shutdown mode again. And I think Joe Biden should have been forced to explain his plan to get us through the pandemic and keep the economy flourishing. I don't think he would have anything meaningful to say about it. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have any policies. And quite frankly, uh, by the way, where is Joe? these days i mean has yeah seen that's him? great that's a great him? question I, I just, where is joe the week uh, before the election <laughs> where is this guy you he's, know <laughs> he is he guys he's it's almost like he's i mean i realize i think he was in georgia yesterday but but it's so minuscule in what he's doing and, and again i believe a lot of this is because they're really you know that side especially is really trying to pump up this this covid panic and i think neil for what you just said a moment ago because the reality is if, if they if they take over and I like what Roger said. If, if Kamala, Kamala, however I say her name, if Kamala and Joe both take over, it will be a Kamala presidency, by the way. Right. And, and I can guarantee you right now that, yeah, they will have things shut down in a heartbeat. And guys, I'm already afraid. We saw this in Colorado on Monday, and I'm already afraid that we've already created a certain 
uh, I'm just going to call it what it is, laziness when it comes to COVID and things along those lines. I'll give you an example. Here in Colorado, we've had COVID now, and of course, we're one of those states that's probably as shut down as, as any of the states are that are out there. And so we've got a lot of you know schools that have been doing remote learning, in-class learning, remote learning. It flips, mm-hmm. flip-flops back and forth depending upon what's going on with COVID and so on. We've got businesses that are you know, that are, that are doing business from home, you know, workers from home and so on and so forth. So we had some snow that came in on Sunday. And for a lot of folks that are out there listening in, in the Denver, Colorado area, you know, we can handle 10, 12 inches of snow without a lot of problem. I know for other parts of the country that would seem, you know, for Roger, that would seem just awful. But here in Colorado, oh, no. you know, we, we can deal with that pretty well. And the reality yeah. is, guys, we had snow that came in on, on Sunday. Some parts got more than others. That's typical for us here along the front range. But we literally shut the entire you know, city down. There was hardly any traffic for me driving to and from the station because we had no school days. Keep in mind, there's in class, you know, there's, there's actual, you know, online learning, but we didn't do any of that. We just shut schools down. We told businesses to stay home. And I said this on Monday, I get the feeling that we've now created this lazy society that anytime something gets a little bit difficult, we'll just all stay home and, and, and you know, sing Kumbaya together and not get any work done. I can't believe where we've come to, guys. Well, John, I think you're filled with hate for making that comment right there. I mean, you're just a hating hater, you know, because I mean, don't we want safety? Don't we want security? I mean, come on. I mean, you know what it is in California? A quarter inch of rain and people are staying home. Oh my gosh, it's raining. What are we going to do? I mean, pardon the sarcasm, but it, it's true. I agree with you 100%. We, we are becoming one of the softest nations in the world. When you look at socialism, it's real soft at the beginning. And then you see a Next thing you know, you're Venezuela and guard your household pets. I mean, it's it's not a pretty picture. No, and the it's idea not. that they would just keep printing and just keep changing, it's the idea that the, the progressive party is looking at the fact that the, what the president did in the Amy Coney Barrett case was constitutional. It was right. They used the Republicans in the Senate used rules that were changed by Democrats when they were in control in the Senate 10, 10, 15 years ago to get the nomination approved and get her placed. And so what do they do? Let's expand the court. You know, because we need to have a progressive majority and we, we don't even care. We just uh, we are so concerned about Roe versus Wade. We're so concerned about the Affordable Care Act that we will just make up a rule to a need to add four more senators. And when our Democrat president is in place, Joe Biden will pick us for, you know, judges rather and justices and then he'll be gone. And and we'll just change the rules. We don't like the way it's going. We'll just change the rules instead of letting people let the system work for itself and make corrections to the system. It's we'll just kind of completely change the rules. I mean, there's a lot at stake on November 3rd. There's people are voting. There's a reason why so many people are voting early right now. They want their vote to count. That gives me courage. It gives me a lot of courage to see so many people getting involved in this. And I think you're going to see a red wave at the finish line. Republicans are like Christians. They buy all their tickets to the concert the day of the event. So you're going to see a lot of uh, red votes. Roger. The I end. agree. I mean, I, I, that, gives, that gives me confidence that it's still a 50-50 ball, but I, I think that there's a as good a shot as any is keeping us away from socialism for four more years. Well, and Roger, to your point, I think, I don't know if it was you or Neil that said this, but I, I do believe that while everyone is going to accuse Donald Trump of challenging the election once it's all said and done, my prediction is, no, it's going to be quite the opposite. I think it's going to be the other side that are actually challenging the election, the mail-in voting, some of those things. I don't think it's going to be the Republican side that challenges it. It's going to be the Democrat side challenging it. That's You're my prediction. You're 100 percent right. If, if, if Donald Trump wins fair and square, they didn't believe it the first time. Will they ever believe it? With the onslaught of all the media that's been against him and coronavirus and everything anti Trump, you know, blocking his tweets on Facebook and Twitter and who knows what else. Will they ever accept the results of an election if he wins fair and square? I doubt it. You're 100% right. 
Well, guys, no, it, I, ha I, ha I have it on good authority. I, I'm reading this article right now. It's from People Magazine, and Omarosa <laughs> says that Donald Trump will not accept the results of the election. So there you go. She's spoken. The people have spoken. Uh, I think we must all be filled with hate. I mean, that's all. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I, guys, I really do. I think this is another example of what happened in 2016. I think you're going to see, to Roger's point, you're going to see a red wave. You're going to see a lot of these polls be completely off. They're going to be sitting around wondering how, how could we get this wrong even a second time. And, and again, going back to what I said a moment ago, you're then going to see the left challenge a lot of the things that have gone on. And they are just going to be up in arms. And, of course, we'll know next week in the, in the roundtable what the results are and where we're at with all of that. But... Guys, there's still, uh, still a few days left, and those of you that have not voted, I would encourage you, by the way, at this point in time, I would not vote early. I would just vote on Election Day and vote with that R next to the name. That's the only choice, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And by the way, um, you know, because there's a few days left, I think that we ought to be in prayer for what God wants yes, to do in this absolutely. thing, because I honestly believe that God is at work, and we know that we don't really wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not about Joe right. Biden and Kamala Harris. It's again, it's about principalities and powers. And, and I'm not voting for Donald Trump because he's Donald Trump. I'm voting for what Donald Trump stands for. And I'm looking at the, the platform behind the man. And yes. I think that all of us as believers need to take a good, hard look at what Republicans say they want to do and what Democrats plan to do, and then say, God, what would you have me do on Election Day? For the longest yeah, time... Well, Real quick, really, what, what it comes down to, we talked about this earlier, but I want to add to what you just said, Neil. You're voting for a package. Take Donald Trump out of the mix. You're voting for a team. Let, let's say it that way. I know the World Series just ended last night. Everybody's got their team they root for. Yeah, there's players on that team. Well, guess what? Donald Trump is a player of the team itself, but you're voting for the team, folks. You're not voting for just Donald Trump. Yeah, and I think well, that the, the, the comment that was uh, circulating in 2016 when people said, how could a Christian vote for Donald Trump? And the response was, well, maybe he's going to turn out to be a Cyrus. Maybe he's going to be a guy who is not necessarily a godly man, but someone who God uses. I think if you look back at the track record over the past four years, you could see that that proved to be true. And what we're going to see again in four more years of Donald Trump, I mean, I, I pray for the guy every day, and I pray that uh, you know when he makes his professions of faith that uh, we start to see the actual fruit of that. But the fact that he continues to surround himself with good godly people who give him good godly counsel, who will stand up to him when he's being belligerent, mm -hmm. but also don't stab him in the back, and he can trust these people, there's something special happening in the White House right now, and I pray that God gives us four more years of that. Well said, guys. I can't, uh, I can't disagree with either one of you. You're both on target. Neil, I really appreciate what you just said a moment ago. Yes, there is about six days left. There's a lot of prayer that needs to go into that. I believe there's some folks' hearts that are really looking at this hard. And by the way, those of you that are out there that are torn on what to do, you know, I love you. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you taking time to really determine who should you vote for. And I think what we're mm -hmm. trying to do is put a little sense of wisdom back into your life and say, listen, take Donald Trump out of the picture, completely remove him and say, okay, if I'm going to vote for a, a platform or a package, as I just said, you know, which, what was, you know, what should that package look like and what would God want me to do? And I can tell you right now that if you look at what the left stands for and what they're trying to do with your inalienable rights, which by the way are God-given rights, I can tell you right now, God does not want you voting for the left, period. It's just not in the cards, guys. I think well said, John. Appreciate well you bringing it up. So, anyways, I know, guys, we're running out of time. We're getting to the end of the podcast, which, by the way, we really do 
appreciate each and every one of you. I don't know if we say that enough, but you know our, our, our ratings on this continue to go up. We've been at this for well over a year. We really appreciate each and every one of you. I get comments even just sent to me personally for the podcast and the fact that they enjoy listening and the information that we give out, which is a little different than what we're able to do inside of our daily programs, guys. I know there's a lot of folks out there that appreciate this each and every week. I appreciate all of you guys. It's just been a great friendship over the past year plus that we've been doing this. Uh, my heart goes out to Bob. Hope he feels better soon. Indeed. But this has been great, guys. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoy all the listeners that we have. And we're just going to continue to give them great, new, fresh information each and every week when we do this. Amen. 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 And I want to point out, just as we conclude, uh, the places where you can find us. Uh, of course, we mentioned Apple Podcasts. We mentioned Stitcher. Um, I'm looking at radio.com right now, and there's a link for our podcast there as well. There are so many different places where you can find it. The five-star rating, of course, we appreciate that. But also put your comments on there, too, because we love the comments to find out why you like this program. And uh, uh, speaking for all, all four of us who are participate, I wanted to echo John's sentiments there. And uh, tell you how yeah. much we appreciate you. Neil, tell why don't you close and family out. about us as well. Yeah, tell, tell your friends and family about us, and don't forget that five-star rating. I just want to pray. Lord, we're headed into an election. The most important thing is that we do what you would have us do. So I just pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would be speaking to hearts and minds and that we as believers would be open to what it is you're showing us. God, we want truth and righteousness. We know we're not voting for perfect people because none of us are perfect, and none of us are here to cast stones. But God, our desire is to honor you in all that we say and do. Thank you for giving us a forum whereby we can talk about controversial and difficult things. Most importantly, we want you to lead us through these conversations so we can look more like you on the other side than we do right now. Thank you for John and Roger and heal up Bob so he can be back with us again next week. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, that's another wrap on the National Crawford Roundtable. We'll be back next week. Vote, folks, vote. We'll come back with a recap next week. But thanks for listening again. This is the National Crawford Roundtable. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.